Welcome to TVN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's episode, Bobby Shuler hosts New York Times bestselling authors Sean Bowles and Bob Hassan. Listen as they unpack ways to recognize God's hand in your daily life and why discerning His voice has the power to change everything for you. We are just so excited um, to have two guests with us that are going to speak to us about how to hear God's voice in their new book, Wired to Hear, Sean Boltz and Bob Hassan, right? Yes. So we got to get that name right. Bob Hassan is a business person, and Sean, you guys have been working together on a podcast. Welcome. We're so glad to have Thanks you so on much. Praise. So glad to be back. So, um, so what do you say, Sean, maybe we'll just start with you. I mean, you're known in, in many ways for uh, having a prophetic voice and really trying to speak into culture and help culture understand what God is doing, not just in the church, but in other things. And now you guys have paired up and have had this amazing podcast and voice and this book is wonderful, but you're really trying to show people how to hear God's voice not just in the church, but in business. Um, if I came to you as a business person and I'm like, I'm a Christian, I love the Lord, but I'm not, you know, super spiritual. But man, I sure would love to hear God's voice. What would you say to me? It's one of my favorite subjects right now because we're seeing people in mainstream businesses, which is the 99% of Christians, we're seeing them partner in their faith to God in a way that's not just by the principle, but by the connected relationship. And that's what God wired us for, is to really know what is in his perceptions, his thoughts. And so usually I'll sit down and in chapter one, we start there. I mean, Bob and I, I have this story that Bob loves so much because it, yeah. it, it's helped us both, honestly. And I do this with business people all the time. And I, this businessman and his wife come up to me and they, you know, have talked to me for a little while and the businessman says, well, my wife's the one who hears from God. I never hear from God. I mean, a few epic times I've heard from God, right? And he's been a Christian for 30 years and they have incredible fruit in their life. I mean, great yeah. kids, great grandkids. And I said, I can prove to you in 15 minutes if you have it, that you hear from <laughs> God. Like I can help you out with this. And he's like, oh, let, try me, like, let's do this. And so I said, what was the last big epic win that you think of first when I say this in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your business? It was a win that you couldn't have done. Like it was just so spectacular. And he goes, well, I thought of one right away. My, my son got married. And he was marrying a girl. He took a break from college, right for his master's program. And he married a girl that he met who was from a third world nation. And she didn't have like a connection to home, to family, because she was kind of a, a gypsy girl. We called her the gypsy girl. You know, she's, she grew up in, in a third world, so it was kind of hard. But she was highly educated, incredible, strong leader. And when they got together, we realized they're, they're not going to root down. They're not going to nest. And so I asked God with my wife in our prayer room. We asked God, like, well, you know, God, what do you want to do for them? Like, what do you want us to do to help them as they're getting married? And, and he goes, and I had this idea. It was so good. Like, we're going to give them a part of their inheritance early so they can build a house. They can, wow. they can build their dream home. And, he, and I said, well, what happened with that? He goes, well, they did. They built their dream home. And there's a lot to the story, but they build their dream home. She totally changes her career because they get pregnant the first year. She didn't want ch children at all. They have two, no, three babies in the first five years. And she revamps her whole career for these babies. And she's still not just a stay-at-home mom, but she's a career woman who's nested, rooted, wants to live in the same city the rest of her life with this family. And the point was, after he said that, I said, so how did you get that information to do that? Like you were praying, but how did it come to you? He goes, well, I just thought of it. And so I'm like, you're the hero of that story. That's a pretty big story to be a hero of. Like that's, I mean, it changed her, her generational, like, predisposition, it changed the way she thought, it changed her son and daughter's trajectory of life, they're living here now, they're the happiest they've ever been. That's So you're the hero of the story, really? And he's like, well, I mean, God is the hero, but I mean, like, it just came to me. I said, well, most of the way we hear from God 
And if you reverse engineer the process is when you make these great decisions, you're being led into them and it's using an internal process because mm -hmm. the God of all the universe who doesn't fit in time and space mm -hmm. fits inside of us as his temple. And it. most of the way he speaks is internally, it's through the impressions, the instinct, the intuition, but we're not taught that. We're taught to look for the disruptive James Earl Jones voice mm -hmm. and that's the only time it's real. Yeah. So after we had a few talks of reverse <laughs> engineering his wins, he was yeah. like, oh my gosh, wow. I do hear from God. I just discounted that aspect, but I'm giving myself the credit now, or the glory. I remember in your book, so I, I enjoyed reading your book, and uh, one of the things you said in there is, we hear God's voice all the time, we just don't always give him credit. Yeah. And I think that's a great way of thinking about it. Like, you think of all of the believers who were inspired or had these incredible moments, and they, they probably, it's not that they're not, they're not thinking, I'm not gonna give God credit, but they, they don't realize hey, that was from God. You know, like inspired yeah. means that the spirit came well, into you, And right? some of that, like we can say, well, I think I made that decision. I mean, I think I'm capable of that because God's given us his nature. So we are capable of a lot, but there's some things in our lives. I mean, anyone can relate to this who's watching. Something happened that you, your talent, your skill, your mm -hmm. good belief system did not bring you to. God had to have intervened, but you may still be claiming it. Like, that was amazing what happened there. But because I don't understand how it happened, I've never really said, wow, God, thank you for speaking to me and leading mm -hmm. me into that because I followed you in. Mm -hmm. Just like our salvation, I, I mean, it's the kindness of God to lead us into him. He wanted us mm -hmm. first. So taking that uh, kind of approach to hearing God's voice is really important. And there are so many times as a pastor of a church, you know, we have uh, a lot of employees and we have a payroll. And so there's a business element to it. And there's so many times I'm like, God, what should I do? And I can't always hear from God. You know, I wish he would just give me the answer, and so I imagine in your case, Bob, when you've got, I don't know how many employees you have, I'm sure quite a few, mm -hmm. and you have so much responsibility, it's, it really, you feel like there are times I have to hear God's voice. And so, Sean, I, I would just ask you, like, what are some practical things I can do as a believer? Like, I think one of the biggest questions would be like, how do I, how do I decipher the signal from the noise? Yeah. So like if you're on a cell phone and there's, you can hear in the background, there's kids playing or there's music or there's wind, but you still hear the person you're talking to's voice separate from that and our brain is able to do that. How, how do you do that in your spirit where you know it's God's voice and not just Bobby's weirdness or your, you know, you know what I mean? Or my, like my own thoughts, you know? It's, it actually takes a while and it takes practice. Just like it takes practice to learn how to communicate when you're first getting married. Absolutely. There's something about that, the art of communication that takes time. And especially because a lot of the way that God speaks is internal, it's in our process. I think of Solomon when he asked God, not for wisdom, a lot of us think he just asked for wisdom and knowledge so he knew how to lead the country. He actually asked for a Jewish Hebrew word that we don't have the best interpretation for directly. It's a word, uh, the Shema, which means I wanna have direct process as if I, we were sharing the same mind. Mm. And that was a biblical prototype for the New Testament of what Jesus demonstrated, which he walked with the Father. And we didn't see how the Father talked to him every time, mm -hmm. but there's this internal dialogue going on and it was his sharing thoughts. And when you think about sharing thoughts, a lot of times you might think about you know a, a married couple because there's times instinctually you know what your wife wants. She doesn't have to say it to you because she said it to you so many times that that voice still speaks. Mm -hmm. So there's that instinct to know how she's talking. There could be an intuition to know, because you know her so well, there's so much connection to her. There can be an intuition to anticipate what needs to happen in the situation. And it's because you share heart, you share mind, you share ideas. And that's how we get, as we read the Bible, as we learn how to pray, as we learn how to listen and listening Prayer has been a lost art in Christianity. Mm. Not just listening to prayer in a sense of a devotional time, but listening when there's decisions to be made. That, you know, the average human makes like 4,000 decisions a day, and a few of those are mm. consequential. So how do we actually, in those times where, where it actually has consequences, stop for a second, 
check in with God, just like I would with my wife. If I'm going to spend a lot of money, I'm going to check in with my wife first because we partner on the finances. Mm-hmm. So learning where you're partnering with God, which is everywhere, but especially the bigger moments throughout the day, checking in, listening, and then looking for that voice. Some, you, you know it's yours when it's very self-centered and selfish and doesn't consider the world around you. You know it's the enemies when it comes with shame and condemnation, but you know it's God when it feels like, wow, I never thought of that, or I wouldn't have done that, or I wouldn't have chosen that myself. Yes. That's one Wait, of the early ways we learned. one learning. more time? Because I think, I, I'm wondering if people really just caught what you said. Those three things, I think are gonna help people so much, so much. So the first is, you know it's yourself when? It just meets that gratification, immediate it's gratification. That, it meets, yeah. it's like, I want ice cream tonight even though I shouldn't eat it. You know, it's like that kind of thing Sean where talking. people do. It's, <laughs> it's just me talking. It's like, this is what I want. I can lead myself here. And so you think, so Satan speaks to people too, right? I think Satan plants so stuff. I, don't, I think it's direct you know, messages, but I well, think there's the some planting. Because you said if it's shameful, what's the difference between like sh- the shameful thought or like conviction, you know? Well, conviction leads us to more of God. It's actually an exchange. So conviction causes us to go, oh, wait, if I don't do this, Mm -hmm. I get more of you. Mm -hmm. Wait, this is blocking my ability to keep connected to you. Mm -hmm. And shame says, because you do this, you can't connect to God. Mm -hmm. Very different conversations. Like me looking at my child and saying, you know, I'm gonna punish you because what you did was wrong and I want you to feel it and I want you to feel bad. Versus yeah. saying, I wanna give you choices so you can make better decisions. So if the voice is ever like, you're the worst, of course yeah. you did this, it's accusatory, totally. it's blaming, that's that's the enemy wanting to keep you stuck. Or it's a demanding voice. A lot of times people get yeah. into this relationship where it's like, turn left here, you might miss your, you know, there might be a car accident, so go the long way home tonight, but there's really no fruit from it. We're looking yeah. to partner with God's voice and his heart for us, which is always good so and th- it's always for us. So those types of voices, that's always noise, but the signal, so God's voice is always gonna be what? What did you say? It's always gonna be a voice, that it's not where we could lead ourselves, but it's something that we wouldn't have thought of. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like it originated, even though maybe our thoughts. It has a eureka kind of feel. Yeah, it has a eureka feel, or it feels like, oh wow, I wouldn't have considered that in my own mm-hmm. desire, even if my desire is good, mm-hmm. because God always upgrades our desire. So even if we have good desire, when we include God, all of a sudden he leads us into a place, and we talk about this a lot in the book, where he leads us into a process we wouldn't have put ourselves in, nor would we have chosen directly that process to get to a God result. Because we're not looking for a human result, we're looking for a God result, especially when we talk about the marketplace career. When someone's trying to figure out their career path, we don't think like, wow, you know, I'm gonna go work here to get here, to get here, to get here, to get here, and end up here. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. No one no one chooses that, but when you walk with God, sometimes that's how it is. Yeah. It's like he leads you a different way than a corporate ladder would lead you. Don't you think, and Bob, this is a good question for you. I mean, I feel like, as just as a believer, and the way the world is, I mean, there's so much interesting stuff available, you know, I'm, even on your phone, you've got mm-hmm. Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and everything. It, to hear God's voice, you need to be listening. And to listen, you have to kind of stop doing things, which seems like an obvious thing to say. But like, I know like if I'm sitting with my wife and she gets up and goes to the bathroom, the very first thing I'm gonna do is reach for my phone yeah. compulsively. Not because I somebody called me, not because I got a text. I don't even know why I'm reaching for it. It's because I'm so trained to always be doing something. As a business guy, I'm sure you're going at a million miles an hour all the time. You feel there's always an email you gotta respond to, a text you gotta respond to, a contract or a payroll or whatever. To hear God's voice, you have to, is, there, is it hard to, to find that kind of, I almost wanna call it boring, silent, quiet place to hear God's voice? And how do business people, is it worth doing that? I mean, is that a key part of hearing God's voice in business? Well, I think it's a practice. 
And I think we have to practice listening to his voice. Mm -hmm. And Sean said earlier, uh, listening prayer is a lost art. But how many times do people go to their prayer closet and play two worship songs, read two chapters of the Bible, <laughs> and then get their list mm -hmm. and pray their list and then say, okay, Lord, I've got two minutes left, so I need you to answer my prayers. <laughs> two yeah. minutes. Yeah. And what we're saying here in this book is, Adopt a lifestyle yeah. of hearing and listening. Mm -hmm. and, and so you might drive down the road and the billboard might answer your prayer. Or you might be in a conversation with someone who doesn't know the Lord and they might be talking and answer your prayer. Mm -hmm. Of course, you could read scripture and get a prophetic word and um, hear something in a worship song, all the normal ways. But God's speaking to us all the time and we, we need to be listening. We need to tune our antenna. We're wired to hear God in a different way. Mm -hmm. And John 14, 18 says, fear and love can't coexist because fear has to do with punishment. And so lots of business people, lots of people in their careers are worried about, like I was saying earlier, making payroll, going bankrupt, losing their job, mm -hmm. having somebody climb over them. Mm -hmm. And and so if we're if we're set in this place with the Lord that we are loved sons and daughters first, and nothing that we can do is going to change that, mm -hmm. then we get this peace that comes in walking in partnership with God. Sean and I spend a lot of time talking about um, planning for different things, and it's the same with the Lord. We can have physical conversations. My wife and I can have physical conversations. We can have the same thing with the Lord. It's a little different because normally, we don't hear an audible voice. Mm -hmm. But like Sean was saying earlier, we get impressions, we have instinct, we have intuition. Mm -hmm. We have discernment. That's good. The, the book we're talking about today is Wired to Hear by Sean Boltz and Bob Hassan. I almost said Hassan. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, I, I love, one of the things I love about this book is the way that you've created this bridge between not just hearing the Lord, but hearing the Lord in business. And I can already tell that there are going to be, there's a certain type of person out there that's like, well, you know, isn't it bad to be rich? Or maybe there's a certain type of Christian even that would say, you know, that sounds like whatever, you know, like that's not biblical or that's not good. I don't, I don't agree with that, of course. I think it's wonderful. But how do you as a pastor respond to this idea when people are like, you know, that's just the world. That's the world. And we need to be, you know, whatever. God doesn't care about that. He wants to build churches and he wants to build, yeah. you know, this type of thing. I mean, it's so funny, right? Because we both are in ministry. Yeah. And I also have done business along the side of ministry, not just as a tent making, but to actually be a part and engage society. Yes. So I've done stuff in culture. And it's when Jesus commissioned the 12 disciples was to, to go change the world. For mm -hmm. God so loved the world that Jesus came, not just the church world not just the ministry-centric mm -hmm. things, but when God invented this whole thing in the first place, it wasn't invented in a church. It was invented in the world in this beautiful space. And the first thing he does to Adam, which Bob and I talk about all the time, is he gave him a job. He gave Adam and Eve a job. And I think a lot of Christians, even the way we think about church and heaven, heaven's this big vacation we go on where we all talk about where we're gonna live in heaven and their big <laughs> mansion and what it's gonna be like. And, and, and we won't ever have to do work in angels, we are butlers, versus actually when we get to heaven, God has more for us to explore. And how we explore that is by doing things with him, mm -hmm. not necessarily just for him, but with him. 
And people who love you know, to be a scientist or people who love to be mathematicians, people who love to be teachers, those are redemptive roles that in heaven will play out into even more of discovering and developing because there's never an end to God. We're never gonna discover the fullness of God throughout right. all eternity. So in heaven, we actually are gonna play a role mm -hmm. and we will work, it will do, it'll be without toil, but we're gonna work. And so I think a lot of Christians, when they think of work, they think of it as sub-spiritual or it's second class. Mm -hmm. And we need to recreate that conversation and say, actually what you do is how you worship and it's yes. how you connect to God. And it's very important. Well, it's so interesting, Sean. I, like, I love when you talk about the wealth transfer and I want you to talk about it. But to answer your question, God not only owns all the cattle on the hills, he owns all the hills. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so why not us? I mean, we're, we're, we're peacemakers, mm -hmm. but we're also inheritors of his kingdom. Yeah. And Sean, you mentioned this, but in Genesis 2, God breathes life into Adam. The very next command is go tend to the garden or go to work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so the first, I mean, this is God's economy is we're going to start working. Yep. And later in John, Jesus says, my father and I are always working. Yeah. So, so this notion of work is all through the Bible. And I, I love to hear this wealth transfer thing. Yeah, tell me about that. I, now, I, my, I, before we get to that, yeah. I, I feel like there, just to put a cap on this, I feel like there are a lot of people when they think of work, they think of a job they hate. Most people I think in America are doing work they don't love at yeah. the very least. They think of their, maybe they're in a cubicle or they're mm. working with people that they don't like or they never get to be outside or they never get to travel. Or they, they're, they're always never have enough. Yeah. And that's not the work we're talking about. And yet I've also seen a lot of people go into retirement and they're, they're miserable. They're miserable. And not their that retirement is bad or whatever, but yeah. I, I think that we need to continue to show people that non-work is not the ideal. Sometimes yeah. we can't work because we have health problems or, or whatever. But the best thing is work you love, and mm -hmm. in particular work that you love with people that you love doing it with, right? right. Wouldn't you say that's exactly. A, there's so much such a joy in finishing a project with a great team. Yeah. And I have seen over and over how God can inspire teams, especially when he's speaking to them. And when you feel like you're hearing from God for your business and everybody on the team really feels like they're hearing from God and and you act on it, and then you get this big win. You're like, whoa, we, we did this, yes. built this thing, did this amazing thing with God. It was like his will and his voice. I think that's amazing. And, and Bob had mentioned some prophecy that you had had about wealth transfer. And when I hear that, I'm like, what does that mean? Well, Tell what's me. interesting is it wasn't my prophecy. Back in the 50s to the 80s, all these different charismatic Pentecostal groups Mm. They would stand up, someone would stand up in a meeting and say, there's going to be a great wealth transfer. The wealth of the wicked out of Proverbs, I think it's 8.6. The wealth of the wicked is you know, going to be stored up and saved for the righteous one day. And there's this theme that to transform the earth the way that Jesus is you know, worthy of as he returns, mm. we're going to need a lot of resources. If you think of the last great move of God back in the Jesus people movement, which had over 18 or 20 million people saved or more, it took a lot of money. It took a lot of resources. It took music industry, like starting for Christianity. It took so much. Mm -hmm. And if we think about the next move of God and the resources that the Father has pre-planned for Jesus to get his reward, there's a lot of resources there. So I was on this theme and just praying about it going, you know, who is the most wealthy people group in the world? Mm -hmm. And I Googled it and I found out that it's Christians by 55%. Wow. I thought it was going to be China or I thought it was going to yeah. be like a nation, yeah, absolutely. not a people group of a religion. 
Yeah. And we're, there's no other people group that's as wealthy as Christians in the entire world. So we have 55% of the world's wealth. I know we have some of the poorest amongst us too, mm. in, the, in the sense of Christianity, but 55%. So I was like, this is crazy. Then I looked at how many billionaires are saved. I just thought, I wonder if anyone's done the research on this. And we have the research in the book. And Forbes and several other organizations did the research. And, and 55% of billionaires claim to be born-again Christians. Not, wow. just, not just like not just traditional like, Christians yeah, or whatever, a, yeah, but yeah, born-again yeah. Christians. Yeah. And I know I've met with several Is this in the United States or in worldwide? the world, wow. worldwide. So that includes China. It includes and China, includes Singapore, it includes. Yeah. And I was like, "What's happening?" Interesting. Interesting. So I started to think, okay, we've already had a wealth transfer because we have enough mm-hmm. money to do the Great Commission. We have enough money to get the job done, mm-hmm. but we don't have the revelation. Yes. We don't have that connect, that connectivity, that, that that wiredness that we need. So it was really exciting when we were writing this book because I realized like. We're one step away from global harvest. We're one step away from God doing everything he's planned to do for Jesus to return. It's so close with what he's put into our hands. And all we got to do is access his heart. And that's it. And so I love writing the book because Wired to Hear is about that. I think for us, like watching, you know, in our podcast, we get to interview people who are doctors and lawyers and farmers and venture capitalists. And, you know, some, some are small entrepreneurs of small businesses. Some are doing something on a mass scale. And we're seeing this thread of like God's transforming industries and culture and people's lives through their yes to God, through them saying, I'm not just going to do this for you. I'm going to do this with you. And so Bob and I have been enjoying these stories and some of the ones, I mean, you got to tell some of the highlights because mm. some of the stories of, and even people were consulting and, and talking to you and we help do listening prayer. We help mm. lead them into processes. Sometimes Bob gets called in right during the crisis. I'll get called in right when they need to hear from God and, and God puts the responsibility back on them and they actually are hearing God and having different decisions than a business consultant or a professional could bring them to because God's coming in. And so we're seeing the wire to hear message where people are realizing it's my wiring. It's not just your wiring to hear for me, but I'm actually, this is who I am. Hmm. Are you seeing that in the marketplace? Are you seeing business people that are hearing from God or they're, they feel like they're the Holy Spirit is on the move even within their company or, or that they're... Yeah, we're, we're seeing that. and Like in every genre. In every, every yeah. genre. And some of the most practical people that, that we're talking to are hearing. We just talked to a wealth manager and uh, he's got a over a billion dollar portfolio. And when he started his company, he would get on his face and ask the Lord for direction. Mm. This was back when he would go knock on doors. He didn't know a wealthy person when he started. Yeah. yeah. He was like, I'm gonna be a wealth manager. He felt wow. that was a word from God. Yeah. But he didn't know anyone who was wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, amazing. I don't know how I'm gonna do this. But, and he's in a little Midwestern town. Right. And, and so he would, he would literally told us, I would ask God where to park my car. And I'm thinking, what? You know, come on, like what parking place? Yeah. yeah, what neighborhood? But he would ask, he would say, I would, I'm gonna knock on 20 doors and hopefully I can have 10 conversations and I hope I can get one client. I mean, those were the metrics. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he did, and over this decades, he's grown his business to be really incredible. But I wanna go back to a yeah. question you, you talked about people who hate their jobs, people who yes, don't like yeah. going to work. We talk to people all the time like that, and, it, and it's a choice. Part of hearing God is asking the questions. God, I, I don't like I my job. job. Yeah. I'm really unhappy. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a story, uh, I was consulting with a young woman and she hated her boss. She's a slave driver, she's this, she's that. And I said, why don't you, will you do an experiment for me? will you pray for your boss for two weeks? Mm. And she was so mad, she didn't want to, but she <laughs> yeah. said, okay, I will. 
And she and what happened over this time that she was praying for her boss, her heart changed. Yeah. And God began to show her that there was things happening in this woman's life that was causing her to be this way. And really close to the two weeks, her boss came in and, and this woman said, are you okay? Mm -hmm. I've been praying for you. And this woman stopped and said, can we go to lunch? And then dumped all the things she had on her because she didn't have anybody to listen to. And it cemented their relationship. Wow. And they both got promoted up the wow. chain because of it. And so she was probably thinking, I need to leave yes. this yeah. job. This job is terrible. When the whole time God wanted to use her to be a redemptive force to even turn the company and exactly. her boss around, her life around. Mm -hmm. yeah. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. What we've learned from our, all these conversations and from consulting is that, you know, everybody wants a very direct result. Yes. And they want a direct process that is so easy to understand. And if you get married, you know that marriage isn't easy because yeah. it's communication, it's conversation, it's partnership. And you learn as you go. And yeah. relationship with God is the same way. It's like you're you're gonna have a relationship with God. It's gonna lead you into some things that you don't even know are gonna be the best for you at that mm -hmm. time. They're gonna lead you to the, the like we had a friend of mine who's a actress who was an educator, master's degree in education, wanted story. to change the education system in her state in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. And then God speaks to her and she's never heard God before in a way that she understood. And he says, you're gonna be an actress. And she's like, oh, heck no. Like, that's <laughs> not who I am. Yeah. And, but she had to obey it because it was, came over and over so strongly. So she took a year sabbatical from her education program, came out to Los Angeles and said, I'll go to a really good acting program and see if there's anything. Well, there was. And so after about a year into it, she starts running out of money. And so she was gonna apply to be a substitute teacher. And I said, you know what? This is a funny question, but did you ask God? Because he led you out here. If that's the best thing for you to do while you're pursuing acting, she's like, no. And I said, well, let's ask God together. I never do that. Like, I'm not <laughs> challenging people. And she goes, Ugh. And I go, what? She goes, I just had a picture of myself at the Starbucks down the street and I was serving coffee. I do not want to be a barista. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. But she wants to change education mm -hmm. and she doesn't really want to be an actress, but she definitely does not want to be a barista. Yeah. And so she's like, I don't want to do that. And I said, but who's to know that the girls and the guys that you're going to be working with are mm -hmm. the people that you need to learn who they are so you can really love them. Yeah. For the, you're doing this for and with God. You're not doing this for your own career. So you need to learn his process. And his process is taking you to Starbucks, maybe. That's right. So she, she's like, I'll apply at that one Starbucks, and that's all got it. And they, it was during year of recession, 2007 and 8. So they had 2,500 applications that month, the most they'd ever had in their wow. whole existence. And the woman saw that she had a, a, a master's degree, and she's like, I'm picking her. I'm going to choose her because, <laughs> because I need someone to help me manage these people. Yeah, They're crazy. Sure. And it was almost all women who worked at, young girls who worked there who were in the entertainment industry. Yeah. And she became like the den mom. And after about six months of being there, she, and she didn't love her life, but she knew she was following God. Mm -hmm. And she loved God. And she loved her relationships. So mm -hmm. uh, about six months of her being there, one of the girls got onto a TV show. It was one of Netflix's first series back in 2008-9. And, uh, and when she got on it, she, she, um, everyone felt like it was their role. Like they, they won. Like everyone's going places in Starbucks, you know, because mm -hmm. one of their friends got on it. Well, this girl... She was praying for her, and none of them were saved. She was praying for this girl who got on Netflix, and she's just like, I know this is God for her. 
thank you, God. I don't know why I'm here, but thank you that one of us broke through. You know, mm-hmm. She gets a call that week from the girl who's on set doing the readings, the table readings, and one of the people who's playing a role who's gonna be her older sister had an emergency medical situation, was out of the series. And she said, the director and the casting director said, you can come in and try out for the role. I told them how amazing you are and how you're my big sister and you'd be perfect. Can you come right now? And she basically quit her job because she got on that series and she's been acting now since 2009. <laughs> wow. And she would have story? never led herself in this direction, but she said yes to God. I, I mean, that's why we need to hear God's voice mm-hmm. is because as you said, it's gonna be different than something we're gonna think of. It's, totally. You know, what we've thought of hasn't worked so far. You know, we need to hear from God. Yeah. And when we do, things change. I, I remember we were talking about business. One of, the, one of the sad things for me as a pastor and sort of going behind the curtain is most pastors I meet love the Lord and have a great heart, yeah. but I'm surprised how often you will meet a pastor or a worship leader or a Christian musician or something like that. And in front of people, they seem like they're just overflowing with mm-hmm. the spirit. And then you get to know them and you're like, do they even believe in God, <laughs> you know? And then the, the inverse happens with yeah. business people where you'll see business, I'll meet Christian businessmen or business women and they'll see, they'll seem like, you know, just kind of like a normal person or not spiritual at all. And you get to know them and behind the scenes secretly, they are yeah. so in love with God and they're always seeking his heart and they're there because, you know, God had them there. And it's such an interesting thing. And you see yeah. that even in the text, how, how often we're, we're easily fooled by what we see on the outside when we get to Well, know here's people. one of the interesting ones. And I, Bob and I actually talked about this, but I was out with uh, the producer Ken Wales for a, a bunch of times before he passed. And he's the one who did Chariots of Fire and mm-hmm. Amazing Grace. And his story is that Walt Disney needed somebody to come to Disneyland and check it out as a youth. And he was in high school. And so Walt Disney was friends with the principal there. And the principal recommended Ken and said, you should go with Walt Disney and he's gonna take you for a week and he'll pay you. And um, I think it's great for opportunity for you. And so Ken's like, why me? And he's like, cause you don't know what you wanna do in life. I think it'd be good for you to be able to walk. <laughs> so he goes as a senior in high school and goes with Walt Disney and Walt Disney starts to share his faith with Ken and shares his deep faith in God and says, and prays with Walt him. Disney. Walt Disney, wow. who has planted many churches, planted yeah. you know crazy stuff, but we don't hear that part of Walt. And Ken said, why didn't Hold you on. make- Hold on, Walt Disney planted churches? Yes, there's a church I've in Glendale that- yeah, Are you serious? Yeah. Celebration uh, wow. Florida. Yeah. So I said, that was the Disney family, but yeah. yeah. Wow. And so so he, he Ken said, why didn't you build like, a biblical land, like the Esther, you know, and the, and the Joseph and all these different rides that would be like biblically centered. He said, because God showed me to make a place where children could be seen and heard, mm-hmm. but it needed to be for all children around the world, Muslim and Buddhist and all kinds of kids. And he said, I know Christians don't understand and don't believe I'm saved because I'm, I'm doing it this way. And they think that magic's evil and I'm using it as a fairy tale. I said, but I made this decision with God because I wanted all children to be celebrated. Uh-huh. And so Ken's listening to him and just like, Wow. And so at the end of their time together, Walt Disney gave him a scholarship and said, I feel like you're supposed to go to film school, paid his way through film school. And Ken knew God had a destiny on his life. And he knew when he saw the Chariots of Fire story that that was the first piece of it. Mm -hmm. So you have like this businessman, Walt Disney, I'm not saying he was a Christian in every way, meaning like I think he was a Christian in his heart, but everything he did was Christian centric. But he was so misunderstood because the church was so far from what God was doing in industries around the world that there was such a disconnect that he couldn't have partnered if he tried directly mm-hmm. to the church. Mm-hmm. And we still see that today in different industries in science. We see it in, mm-hmm. in uh, medical science at times. We see it in agriculture, environmentalism, because Christians, to be an environmentalist, you must be new age, you know, yeah, like that kind of totally. thing. And yet there's some of the greatest believers I know are environmentalists. And they're talking about stewarding the world, but we don't see that because we have to change the narrative.
separated because Christians have been so separate mm -hmm. from what God's doing with the whole world versus what he's doing with just the church. And we have to create that conversation. We're talking about Wired to Hear by Sean Boltz and Bob Hassan. Hassan. And, you know, <laughs> it is so important that we, that we understand that God cares about business as much as he does about church. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I, that, 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 that is, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I, Sean and I both do consulting, but, and I consult for large churches and businesses. And I haven't seen the disconnect you were talking about. I, I mean, I've seen that. I've seen business people who love God behind the scenes and their story has never been told. But I've seen, I've seen pastors who love God, but they're so over their head because their church has grown, mm -hmm. their cash flow's out of control, mm -hmm. and they don't know what to do. And, you know, like, what did I do in my time? I mean, I tried to control. And I think we all do that. And one of the things in Wired to Hear that's so beautiful is that all these different ways that we can learn, we can practice hearing God. And, and he speaks to us all differently. I went, I got on a plane and flew to the Midwest to a pastor who asked me to come because his leadership team was, wasn't doing a good job. Well, I said, okay, I'll, I'm going to interview you, but I'm going to interview your leadership team. And what I found out was the pastor was afraid, he was scared, he was trying to control. And the leadership team uh, felt disempowered. Mm -hmm. So after I, I interviewed these people, I got back into the room with this pastor and said, the only way I knew how is, the problem is you. <laughs> Every I mean, pastor speak, wants to hear speak, I know. speak the truth in love. Well, that's the great thing about being a businessman is you can be, yeah. be kind of direct. And he said, how dare you? And I said, how dare me what? Tell you the truth? You asked me to come out here and find out what the problem was. And here's the, here's the four or five things that you can do to fix this. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm not going to pay you. And I said, funny, I am not going to bill you. <laughs> you know, I flew out on my own, my own airfare state in my own hotel. Yeah. You know, so I could tell this man the truth. Yeah. And he dismissed me. And, you know, I left, I got on the airplane and I thought, you know, I really want to pray for him because uh, I hope he sees, you know, these truths that I told him. Mm -hmm. And I emailed uh, like, I'm sorry I was too blunt and mm -hmm. here's these four things and if you need anything, and I never heard from him again. On the, on the other side of the coin, there's another- Is that another the end of the story? He, yes. He just never changed, huh? No, that's- I mean, that's part of the problem, right? Is he can't hear even from a peer or someone right. who has more experience than he does that there are some things he could change to make a huge difference. He wanted the blame to be on someone else. Yeah, uh, it couldn't be his fault. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, there's a, there's a large church in Northern California. They came to me, they were having they, exponential growth, cash flow problems. They were having, you know, uh, freezes of, uh, on payroll, staff cuts, reduction in payroll. Mm. And so I analyzed their cash flow for a year and I said, you know, in February, which is in five months, you're going to run out of money. And I told this executive pastor, I want you to highlight this and put it on your desk. <laughs> and now you're going to get the intercessors going. Your staff is going to pray about this. You're going to focus on this. Mm -hmm. And guess what happened? They didn't run out of money. As a matter of fact, giving went up. The staff congealed together to be an amazing team. And they ended up uh, two years later buying a building. So I awesome. love it. It is so important that Christian businessmen and businesswomen learn to hear God's voice mm -hmm. because God, I think God does want your business to thrive. Your business is just as important to God as yes. my church is to God. I believe that. Yeah. I, I remember my father-in-law, who's a business businessman, 
started out, I think, wanting to be a pastor. He's been really in ministry his whole life, but he was a part of the whole Jesus movement, hippie, you know, yeah, he, he sure. and his wife, my mother-in-law. Where Bob came from. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they, my, my wife grew up in a house where, you know, in Oklahoma, where it was just full of people coming and going, like transient people, you know, and they had like Bible studies in their houses and they were all like, yep. in, you know, lived in poverty type thing. And his whole thing was he would like mow lawns and stuff just so he could pay to, you know, minister the gospel. And they were, you know, also in the Jesus movement, they were very fixed on like any day now Jesus is is coming back. So that was driving, I think, a lot of these decisions of like, who cares about about any, we're going to be out of here any day now, you know. But but still, uh, one of the things I love so much about my father-in-law is he's always trying to hear from God. And the whole reason he wants money is to make a difference for God's kingdom. So He's got lots of testimonies, but one story I love is his his first big breakthrough he ever had is he he'd bought a building for his, he'd become an optometrist and he bought a building, you know, in the worst part of town and it got better. And so Walgreens bought it from him for $300,000 and he, he paid like something like 20 grand for it. I, I, this story is about 90%, right? I can't remember all the details, right. something like that. Yeah. And so he got this massive windfall payday. And right away, he gave gave the whole thing away. He felt like the so Lord awesome. put it on his heart that there was this youth group. They wanted volleyball courts, and they wanted. And so he he gave the full amount mm. to this youth group, wow. and it was his first windfall. He's like, "It's God's money. I don't care." And it was like not that long after that that he got a no compete contract that over the years ended up being millions wow. of dollars and wow. funded his business, which now is this huge business. He's a very very successful businessman. But it's That's interesting awesome. how like. No problem, you know, just like his, he's on like food stamps and like yeah. they're like yeah. struggling. He gets 300 yeah. grand yeah. and this is like in the ni- early 90s. It just that, that proves you can't outgive God. Absolutely. You just, and, and the story, it's the best story. Yeah, and that's and well, when you, I think too, when you hear God though, you, you're in a connected relationship, so you're anticipating another win. You're anticipating God mm-hmm. to come through again. So if you have one breakthrough, it's going to multiply. It's not like the end of it. Whereas if you in business, I've heard it a lot with the actors actually and and musicians. This may be my only movie. This may be my only song that ever yeah. makes it. And so there's this fear, like scarcity. because I'm in control right. with my managers, mm-hmm. and there's a scarcity. But with, with when you're walking Christianity out well. Do you know God's going to do it again? Maybe in a different way than you ever saw it before. Mm-hmm. In your book, Wired to Hear, I love, there's so many new ways I had never thought of hearing God before. When people ask me as a pastor, how do I hear God? I usually say something like, and I still think this is true, and you'd probably agree with this, that when God speaks, he doesn't usually speak in English. He has a language, and his language is knowledge. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a stamp. It's yeah. like you just understand it. So when we say God said to me, da 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 da, it was really like you did. I didn't, at least for me, hear one word after another as you would in a sentence. I just understood something. It's revelation. Yeah. And but you have this list of like I don't remember. I think it was like 15 things with Bible verses next to them. All the different ways that God speaks to us. Even one of them, I think, said, "Well, like smell, like God will speak to us through smell." I was like, "Oh, that is so interesting." Or like uh, another way was uh, through like a trance. I was like, "Oh, that sounds yeah. odd." We like, better I look that to a trance. <laughs> um, uh, th- really, there's not always a right or wrong way to hear from God. Like, like He speaks to different people in different ways, doesn't He? Let me let me tell you. I mean, for me. When I when God's speaking to me, my hands get clammy. 
Oh, it's the weird. So whenever my, except when I'm flying on an airplane, mm -hmm. when my hands get clammy, I know. Yeah. The other way that I know it's God is if the thought couldn't have been for me, it's yes. too good. Yes. It's just how I could have never thought about that. Yeah. And then people say, Bob, you're so amazing. Or Bobby, you're so amazing. Or Sean, you're so amazing. And it's like, no, it was the Lord. Yeah. And it's just the, it's the weirdest thing how he does that. I, I love what you said about all of a sudden you're stamped with knowledge. What's well, interesting too when people, like we see it in the context of maybe prophecy, like you'll see someone get up in front of a church and give a mm -hmm. prophetic message or someone on TBN will prophesy, so I've done it, you know, prophesy over somebody. And so we go, that's a clear message. We understand that. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're looking for is like, as a human being, we're thinking this is how God speaks then. So that's how I have to listen. But the majority way that God speaks, like I said it earlier, is that he speaks internally. He, he speaks within our process. And I'll watch Bob though sometimes. And I've watched Bob give uh, counsel to somebody. And it's as clear as any prophet I've ever seen on TV. Yeah. It's the best message. God just spoke through him prophetically, but he's just doing his consulting. And the person may or may not even have a grid for that being God. They just know it's truth. Yeah. And it comes through. And I think we've discounted all the ways that God can bring truth mm -hmm. and how he could bring his message. And I think because of mm -hmm. our fear over the new age and our fear over witchcraft, our fear over everything else, we've thrown some of the baby out with the bathwater and said, mm -hmm. well, that can't be God. You know, and, and the word trance, I mean, Peter was in a trance and sees this whole sheet of unclean food come in front of him. And he's like, what is that all about? Like God showed him something he didn't even want to see. Yes. Eat this. He's like, I don't want to eat that. But trance just means heightened state of awareness with God. It's just, when you get there in worship, you're worshiping God and you love him and you're just so in love with him and you forgot what you want to eat. And in that moment, all of a sudden you're thinking, I will, you know, I'm going to serve the children's ministry. And you're like, wait, I, I hate serving children's ministry. Where did <laughs> that come from? Not no, no, not children, but children's ministry. Wait, where did that come from? And it's, it came from that place of connectedness. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, so often people, I, I, you kind of said in the beginning a little bit like, it's a skill. You didn't say it's a skill, but it's. You said it's like something you practice. It's, you, it's, it's, you develop it over time. I think of hearing God's voice. It's almost like when you're at the playground as a parent of little kids. You know, you're at the playground and kids are screaming all the time, and you hear <laughs> things. But when you hear your kids right. scream over all the other kids, oh, yeah. you know, if you're you see a mom like you, there's a bunch of parents and a kid screams, the right parent is going to stand <laughs> up for the right kid, even oh, though they can't see him. Isn't that weird? I lived that out last week. Yes. <laughs> you, there's just something, and that's how. And over time, you you develop it. But I think people, there's probably even people who are like, well, there's that one time I thought I heard God, and then it wasn't from God. And I think sometimes Satan will use that to beat mm -hmm. people up, but. But there's grace for that, right? It's a practice. You, you, sometimes, I think there's a lot of ways that we can hear from God and like just try and act on it. And it's like, if it's not God, it's like, well, who cares? Yeah. You know, I, so I, I asked if I should, I felt like God wanted me to pray for this person. And then maybe God didn't tell me to pray for that person. I did like, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. So there, it really is something important about kind of taking a little action. Maybe you take it, it with little things. It really yeah. does. It comes to, Bob said it the other day. He's like, you're not an expert at anything you try. Why should we expect you to be an expert at hearing God? Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's so good. You don't expect your worship leader, to, you know. Yeah. No one wants a worship leader the first year of their worship leader because they're just playing guitar in their bedroom. You know, mm -hmm. it's like <laughs> you know, no one wants to listen to that except their mom. That's right. And so, you know, like it's the same with hearing God the first season we go through where we learn how to hear from God, there may be a trial and error process. And we don't always give each other grace for that, that we need to. We need to give each other grace. 
And you just take responsibility for when it's not God and then move on. You know, just, you learn. The book we're talking about is Wired to Hear by Sean Boltz and Bob Hassan. And this is a great book for somebody that really, first of all, if you just want to like hear God's voice better, it's just a great book in general. But especially if you're in business or organizational leadership, really want to encourage you to get a copy of this book. Sean, I know there's a lot of people um, that are watching now who maybe don't believe in God, or maybe even as you're talking, they, they feel like, even as an atheist, and I know this can happen, they feel like maybe God said something to them one time or was yeah. doing something to them. And even now, feeling like God is speaking to them. For those who are saying, I want to make a decision to follow Christ, mm. can you give that, uh, talk to Absolutely. people about how to... I can't wait to do it. Here's <laughs> the reality is that, you know, the best things that ever happened in your life, if you look at those things, and some of those things you look at and you go, I can never repeat that. I can never get that again. Maybe it's someone you married. Maybe it's your child. Maybe it's something, that you, a decision you made when you were 12, whatever it is. God wants to put you into a wired, connected lifestyle to where that's your normal, where the best is your normal. Jesus in John 10, 10, I've come to give you a life and a life abundantly. So when we talk about Wired to Hear, it's not just a nice title of a book. It's actually God wired you before time began to do things with him, to walk with him, to, to work with him, to do the passion center of what you have. And so when you think of the wins you've had in life, wouldn't you want those repeated again? Wouldn't you wanna do that again in your life? Wouldn't you want that to be your life story, not just three moments in life, but your whole life feels like a win? And I just wanna invite you to ask Jesus to come into your life, ask him, would you be Lord of my life? Would you lead me and speak to me? If you really are God, I'm gonna give you a chance. I'm gonna open my heart to you. Start with the book of John. It's a great book to read. Just read through John about what Jesus was like and then say, Jesus, would you be that way for me? Would you show me how you loved? And would you believe in me the way you believe in the disciples and show me your belief? Show me what you planned before time began and give him your life, give him your weakness, give him your sin. And as you pray that and as you give him your life, I promise you, he's gonna show you himself in so many ways and you're gonna have fruit and a life that you could have never brought yourself based on your skill, your talent, your ability, your social network. He's gonna give you a network of relationships. He's gonna give you an ability to connect to things in yourself that only come from relationship with Jesus. So I pray for you right now, if you wanna invite him in, just say, yes, God, I want you, Jesus. I give you my life, I give you my sin, I give you my weakness, I give you the things that I know I can't do. I give you what I want. I give you the desires of the, the dreams that I have. And I say, would you give me your dream back? I, I make an exchange with you, my life for your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Bob Hassan and Shaw Boltz, thank you both so much for writing this book and for speaking to people today. Is there any advice you would give, especially people in business as we kind of close? You know, it's a crazy time right now. Yeah. This COVID, the stock market's bizarre, interest rates, inflation, people are, there's supply line issues, there's all sorts of weird things going on. Is there anything you feel like even now that people really should do in business to hear from God? I think we need to get our eyes upon Jesus, like mm -hmm. the, the old worship song. Mm -hmm. And because we can put our eyes on all those things that you just said and more mm -hmm. and get discouraged. What we need is courage. We need courage to go out and make, make decisions. What, I, what my advice would be is to get with a circle of, of friends or advisors, people that love you, and share what's happening in your heart. Um, we believe in covenant relationship. And, and find people that can help you and can pray for you and can give you advice. 
That's good. Yeah, that community is also so important. Like when yeah. you hear from God to have a third party that you can go to and be like, I feel like God's telling me this. Yeah. Does that sound like? Exactly. And the more That's, mature, the more you need that. Because you're going to take bigger risks. Right. People think That's it's so less, good, but you need it more. Right. Like I need Bob more now than I ever needed him, you know, yeah. two years ago. Because the, the, now I'm taking way bigger risks. Even. Yeah, and as you act on those things that you hear from God, the I feel like the more God will speak to you, yeah. and the, sometimes even crazier it is because it'll be like, I know Sean will try this. Yeah, <laughs> I know Bob will give this a try. Right, that's and that so becomes, good. and that's why when it, as it starts to feel crazier, you need to go to someone else that also hears from God and be like, I feel like I should do this crazy thing. I feel like it's from God. Should I do this? So good. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week. 